0: He is an inspiration to millions through his multiple best-selling books, wildly regarded as one of America's top business speakers, a business educator with more than 300 different audio and video learning programs on human and corporate performance. He is one of my very favorite people to listen to on stage and to read. He's a legend, and now he's here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. I'm talking about Brian Tracy.
1: He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazelet.
0: I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success.
1: This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazelet. brought to you by Fortinet.
0: Hey, Brian, I've known you for years. You've been obviously a good friend of mine for a number of years, but you've also been one of my heroes. Um, I just love your stuff, as as you know, and we see each other, but there was something I read in your background that I did not know, and that's you're Canadian. Not that there's anything bad about that, I just thought I didn't know that you were originally Canadian.
1: Well, what happened, I was born in Canada in 1944, but my parents immigrated to California in 1952, and so my formative years were in the United States, so I've always been an American at heart. Ah. Uh, Canadian by birth, American at heart. Then we went back, and then I spent many years traveling around overseas. And funny, came back to California. and I've been here for 28 years.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, and you, but you've lived all over the world. Like I, I saw the background. I didn't know the extent. Uh, the extensive. I know the extensive travel, but I didn't know that you lived in, like South Africa, London, Turkey, Pakistan, India, and a whole host of other places as well.
1: I have uh, traveled and worked in about one hundred and fifteen countries. I've done seminars now. I think I may have the world record. I've done speaking seminars as you and I do in seventy two countries.
0: Wow, that's which is a it's lot worldwide yeah that's a yeah, lot it really lot. is that's a that's a ton of them what was your what was your favorite country to to do business in? It's always been the u s well, without outside I, of the I, U.S., who would you say though if you had to pick oh uh, i I like Germany, uh, uh, I,
1: speak, I I learned I learned German to build my market in Germany, and so I've done uh, probably two or three hundred seminars in Germany. Uh, I'm now learning Russian and Chinese because I'm doing more and more work in Russia yeah. and China. Um, but I like the European countries, Austria, Germany, Switzerland, um, lots of mountains, beautiful yeah. trees. Yeah, but, but, but still, U.S. is number one
0: for me. Yeah, it, it always is. I mean, a home's home, but, you know, there's, there's so, so much business. I mean, opening up my own office in New York, I just step out the door and there's so much business. I can do three keynotes in a day, you know, and, and see a lot of people. Do you, do you find um, how, how much did how much did the traveling, you know, in your early life help you with setting up the business the way you have it today in those foreign countries?
1: Well, I, I have strategized. I, I started teaching strategy 30 years ago. My first major client was a billion-dollar company, and uh, I've been just a passionate goal-setter, both personally and in business, and I decided to develop an international market. Uh, I got one uh, sort of um, opportunity in Central Europe in Germany, and then I expanded that into virtually every country in Europe, and then, and then further east, and then I got an opportunity – in China, and I expanded that to uh, Korea, Japan, China, uh, Philippines, all of Southeast Asia, uh, India, um, down into uh, Australia and New Zealand. So, but it was a plan. Mm-hmm. I set out a, a very, very clear plan. I published books, and I I publish four books a year, Jeffrey. That's a lot um,
0: of books. That, that's a lot of books. It, I do one about every 18, 18 months, and that's a lot for me. Yeah, that's
1: yeah, the uh, last year. I published six books. And these books, I didn't really realize it, but they bled out. And so now some countries, like Poland has 32 books of mine. Uh, Iran yeah. has 45. Uh, Russia has, has more than 100 books, because. and I haven't written that many books. What they did is they took uh, many of my audio programs, transcribed them, and produced them as small books. So there's whole sections, uh, books had sections in every bookstore in these countries with Brian Tracy books. And that generated sort of like a rock star, more and more demand for me as a speaker.
0: Yeah, well you are, and you and Brian, you are a rock star. I mean you're you're one of the icons in the business. I mean, I, I still remember a tape series that you did with Ken Blanchard on leadership. And it was a cassette yes. tape. You remember that one? I, I think truly yes, I, do. I think truly that is the best definitive program on leadership there is. In fact, my cover on that is so worn out. And I should probably need – I need to go get the digital version. I'm sure you have a digital version. But I, I still – I handed that to my daughter. I handed that to staff people saying, you want to learn about leadership and practice great leadership. You know, listen to these – I think it was a set of about 12, maybe – maybe two, probably 12 tapes, I think. But.
1: Twelve parts. As a matter of fact, I wrote a book on it, which became a prize-winning book in New York. I'm going to send you a copy as soon as we finish talking. Awesome. It's called How the Best Leader, How the Best Leaders Lead, Awesome. and it's produced by American Management Association, and it's got everything that's in that program, but in a uh, readable, legible, step-by-step form. So I'll send it to you. Well, later you. Today.
0: I mean, you're still growing strong. Uh, you, know, you got 250,000 people you speak to a year which is phenomenal. I mean, you're in the top. When you look at speakers, and there's, as you know, there's tens of thousands of them around the world, probably more than that I, for, for all practical purposes. But, you know, just look at the U.S., you know, you look at the National Speakers Association, which we've both been members of for many, many years. The, you yeah. know, but you're at the top, you know, 1% of that, you know, worldwide, truly one of the icons. Do you, do you feel like it's still as strong as it was say 20 years ago when you know we were still at our height doing it, but you remember Zig was doing it, you were doing it, Ken Blanchard myself you know and so many others that were you know still at that at that time frame but those, those, some of those guys aren't around anymore you know
1: Well I think the world has changed in this way Jeffrey, and this is really important for our, our listeners is when you and I were coming up, we made a very clear association between learning new material, and improving the quality of our work and our financial lives, oh. so it was one and one, one and one. So we were hungry to learn practical things that we could use for ourselves and then as speakers to teach others. That connection, I believe, was broken about a few, uh, about ten years ago, with the advent of Facebook mm-hmm. um, and social media. And now young people do not make that connection. Uh, Sixty-eight. 70% of young people you see the surveys want to be a diva, they want to be a star, they want to right. develop a killer app. They want to literally jump the line and be successful, but until then they're just going to sit around and play video games and chat with their friends online. They don't understand, this is my big thing, if you want to get into the subject, I, I ask my audiences this, I say, what is your most valuable financial asset? i let them think about it for a while, and I say, well the answer is your earning ability. Mm-hmm. Your ability to earn money is your most valuable financial asset because you can lose everything as a result of economic reversals or fire, flood, and so on. But as long as you have your ability to earn money, you can make it all back. And so what is your ability to earn money? And the answer is your ability to get results that people will pay you for. Right. And and you've got to understand this. This is the most precious thing you have, and it is a, it can be an appreciating or a depreciating asset. And for the great majority of adults in America today, especially, it's a depreciating asset. They have a certain amount of earning ability when they leave school, and it flattens out and never increases. Well, and, and the, and the so better like, your, and the better you
0: are at it, the the greater your value, right? I mean, the more intellectual exactly. property, the smarter you are, the way in which you know how to, you know, impact your job, I, even if you're a plumber, I mean, the fact that you know, I, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, I'm just saying that's a good thing, because you have the knowledge that somebody else doesn't.
1: Yes, you have You have the ability to get a result that people will pay you for. You know, I, I teach marketing, and I just love this concept that every product has a job to do, and people buy the product in a way they hire the product to do the job for them. Um, Every person has a problem and the product or service is the the solution. So people will buy your product, will buy your solution. So you have to keep thinking as an individual, how can I maximize my earning ability? And sometimes adding one additional skill to your existing skill set can dramatically increase your ability to get results that something will pay you for. And I think this is this is the way that people need to think, and this is the way that young people need to be taught. Uh, there's no earning ability in social media. Yeah. People can say, oh, I'm gonna make all this money in social media and I'm gonna attract all this business. It's just simply not true. Mm-hmm. Social media is a form of entertainment, like watching sitcoms or going to movies. It's not a, it's not a major form of business. And people are you know, convincing themselves that they're spending an average of two to three hours a day. They call them screen today, not teenagers. <laughs> they think that somehow they do, if they whip up a lot of uh, back and forth and back and forth online, somehow it's going to enhance the quality of their lives. And unfortunately, it, it can become habitual, almost like an addiction, and their lives go nowhere. Well, you know, a lot a big, of t- Big challenge.
0: Yeah, big challenge. I, I love that term, screenagers. I, I wrote that down because that, uh, that's a good thing for me to learn today. What, what I always tell people, and I actually spoke to uh, a group of speakers recently about how to you know, yeah. get into the TV business, how to get into the media business. And I said, for most of you, I said, first of all, you're not going to do the things that successful folks like, and I said myself, and I could include you and so many others, you won't do the things that we've had to do which is good hard work. I no. mean, that's one. And I yeah. said, second, I said, you need to decide, and this fits in with what I think you just said, it, what do you want? You want fame or do you want fortune? Because you rarely have both. And and I told them, I said, I'm going to go for fortune and show my value, and that may lead to fame, which I'm lucky enough to be able to have done, just like you have. But we focused first on fortune, didn't we? Yes. Well,
1: you know, I learned something many years ago that I never forgot. And it said that we all earn our living by serving other people in some way. I love that. And our rewards will always be in direct proportion to the value of our service. So if people, like the people you're talking to, if they want to increase the quality of their rewards, both financial and emotional, they've got to increase the quality and quantity of their service to other people. And this is a very important part of our free market system, is people who are successful are serving lots of other people in ways that they really want and appreciate. And our job in learning new things, like you running this show, me writing books and giving talks, our job is to say, how can I serve my audiences better? How can I give them more valuable ideas that they can use to get better results to improve the quality of their lives? And that has to be the central focus.
0: I, I love it. You had a quote, and I wrote it down because I was going to bring it up, but you, we, we jumped into it. You wrote, successful people are always looking for opportunities to help others. Unsuccessful people yes. are always saying, what's in it for me? And therein lies the difference, yes. isn't it? Yeah,
1: Absolutely. The, the, the wonderful thing is, if you, if you study spiritually, you know, the great spiritual law is the laws of sowing and reaping. It is whatsoever a man soweth or a woman, that also shall he reap. So the wonderful thing about sowing and reaping agriculturally is that if you sow the seeds, nature grows them. You don't grow a seed or a crop. So your, your job is to take care of the sowing side of the equation, to put as much in as you possibly can. And today, everything everything is knowledge. Another wonderful book by George Gilder, Knowledge and Power, mm-hmm. is that, that that all economic rewards come from the ability to, to, to acquire knowledge and then to apply that knowledge to help other people to improve their lives and work. And it's a very simple equation, but I, I still read Jeffrey three hours a day. I mm-hmm. read, write, produce books. I'm constantly looking for ways to, to in, in, enhance the quality and depth of my uh, of my knowledge.
0: I'm gonna have to catch up with you. I only do a couple hours a day. I'll have to read. You know, I read average a book a week, Um, and then I read a couple newspapers. I'm always looking at things. I'm looking. You know, I have information gathering tools, which brings things to my. You know, to my desktop or to my laptop or phone, and I'm reading those things. Hey, I got to take a break for a second. Uh, This is a little bit of a shout out. All business is your place for business, and Duncan is your place for coffee. Dunkin' sells 1.7 billion cups of coffee a year and offers 15,000 ways to drink it. I don't know. Do you drink coffee, Brian? Are you a coffee? I fan? love coffee. Uh, it, how absolutely. do you How do you drink your coffee?
1: Well, I drink good coffee. I drink coffee from coffee shops. I yep. I mean, I uh, I'm, I'm a normal, natural coffee drinker. And by the way, every single piece of research that has come out on coffee shows that coffee is good. In a variety of different ways. Yeah, I'm, it's uh, one of the best drinks in the world.
0: I gave up. I gave up soda a year ago. Lost fifty pounds, and I'm drinking coffee, wine, <laughs> coffee, wine, or water, and occasional, uh, and some occasional scotch. You know, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm exactly the
1: same, with the exception of the scotch. All right. Well, coffee, we'll, wine, and water. We'll have, yeah. to, we'll
0: have to bring you over to the dark side. Hey, another thing you wrote about, and I love this because I'm always telling my folks, grab a piece of paper and a pen. And you wrote, those without written goals are forever condemned to work for those with them. Yes. Talk to me about
1: that. And you know, the, the, the statistics are quite remarkable. You see, it's it, it, exactly the same as if you say, well, I'm going to go out in the streets of New York and I'm going to drive until I find a, a restaurant to eat in.
2: Mm. Well,
1: you could drive here and drive there and turn left, turn right, and everything else. You can be driving for hours until you finally settled on a place. But if you say, I'm going to go to... Uh, Cristianas, and I'm going to go straight there. You get in your car. This is the goal. Yep. You have a plan, which is, the, and you go straight there in a matter of minutes. And then that's the difference in life: is that people with very clear goals and plans accomplish, on average, about ten times as much in terms of both income and um, uh, and assets over the course of their lives as people without them, because they're focused. They're moving like like arrows to a target. They're moving from target to target to target. Most people are drifting and they don't understand that. But the average, according to Yale and Harvard, both did studies on this, which are highly disputed whether they existed or not. One says that the average person with written goals earns 10 times as much a decade after leaving Harvard. The other one, uh, a decade after leaving Yale, the other one that Mac McCormick talked about said the person with goals, written goals, acquires about 10 times as much over the course of a working lifetime as a highly educated person without
0: goals? Well, I agree with you. I, I write all mine down. I usually have them as a filter for me because if I focus in on those five or six key things, then that keeps me focused in on doing those five or six things and I don't get distracted by the other I don't know, I'm gonna use this word, but daily crap that pops up, which you know there's yep. a lot of that pops up every day and I, I find that if I every time I get away from that, I find myself drifting off into things I shouldn't be doing in the first place.
1: Well, here, here's a great story, and I it means take it. It was, a, it was a story about Warren Buffett and Bill Gates who were having a conversation at a dinner party at Bill Gates' home with um, Bill Gates Sr., his father. Mm-hmm. Now, these are, the two, these are the two richest self-made billionaires in the world, and Bill Gates' father is one of the most respected business people in Seattle. Anyway, they're chatting away because they're good friends, and somebody came up to them from the group and said, excuse me, gentlemen, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you're obviously very successful. What would you say is the most important quality for success today? And all three of them stopped in the middle of the conversation, turned, and simultaneously said, focus. Yep. Focus is the most important quality. Then they looked at each other and smiled yeah. because none of them had prepared the answer. Focus is the most important quality for success in in, in a day-to-day of constant distractions. I call it the attraction of distraction. We're so distracted that without focus, you can't get anything done. And that's what goals enable you to do. Goals, plans, priorities, thinking through your work before you start, staying on one task at a time can enable you to outproduce people around you by five and ten times.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, and the more that you do of that, it's just good for your life all the way around. And no matter whether it's in your personal life or your business life, spiritual life, or even with, you know, your friends, I mean, it really does help to be able to focus. I'm not saying you have to have a, you know, like a, you know, I've got to kiss my wife today. You shouldn't have to remind yourself about that. But, but serving, and I love that serving piece that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I just think, you also talk about dreaming big. You know, I got a new book coming out that's called Think Big, Act Bigger. And you talk about the greatest responsibilities are to dream big dreams. Talk to me about that.
1: Yes, well, you, you know, you cannot accomplish more on the outside than you can imagine on the inside. Mm. So what you do is you play like a game. One of the, one of the things that, that I teach is a principle called idealization. Again, which it comes from strategic planning, but basically... What you do is imagine that you have a magic wand, and you could project forward five years, and in five years, your life would be absolutely perfect in every respect. What would it look like, and how would it be different from today? And this this idea of being starting to develop clarity, there's there's, there's a principle that says that there's a direct relationship between the clarity of your future ideals and goals and how rapidly they come into your reality. And you know all the psychological principles about particular activating systems and so on. The reason people are unsuccessful is because they are fuzzy about what would constitute a great life for them. So taking some time, and my wife and I have done this for years, each Christmas we sit down and we say, if our life is perfect next year, what would happen? And we sit there and we just play, like a kid making up a Christmas list. And it's astonishing, Jeffrey, how many of those dreams and fantasies come true in the most remarkable ways.
0: Yep, I, I can't, you know, it's like I just bought some new property the other day. Actually, yesterday, I closed yeah. it. And I'm building my little tiny ranch on this river in South Dakota. And I keep visualizing. I go to bed thinking about what I want the property to look like, where I want it to go. And I keep thinking, I got another piece next to me. I want to buy that. And, you know, of course, I can't. I don't have the money to buy that yet. But you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to, I'm going to go out and do this morning more speeches. I'm going to start this business. I'm going to find a way to go get that money. And before long, here I was. And I I, and I, started thinking about those things four years ago when I bought the property and every year I've been able to add more and more to it because I'm getting down and I'm visualizing. I love focus. Focus is, is spot yeah. on. Let me, how do you focus? I mean, and, and, and where do you focus most of your time? You've got so many things. You've got speaking, the books, you're, you're on TV all the time. You, you've got the licensing business. I mean, if I look around, you're in the real estate development, you've done all these things. How do you find focus? Well, uh, did you see the movie American Sniper? Yes, I sure did. Yeah. Wonderful,
1: wonderful movie. Yep. a great movie. You, you can never forget it. Um, but what what he does is he t- he t- takes long, long shots. Mm. And the shots are tremendous precision. He does, he does not operate a machine gun from a rooftop. He picks one shot at a time. So I use that, I call it a sniper model. I've been teaching it for years is a really effective person is like a sniper, Sniper, not a machine gunner, yep. is they pick their shots very, very carefully. They focus with tremendous clarity on a single shot at a time. So, so instead of bouncing around from this task and back to that task like a windshield wiper, what I do is plan, organize, and like a sniper, I will work 100% full blast on a single project. Do you know, last month I wrote three books. Actually, in April, I wrote, I, wrote, wow. I wrote three books for three publishers, and uh, and the books were all accepted with enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And people said, well, "How how can you write so many books? And it's because when I sit down to write, I focus like a laser beam on only that thing. And it, 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 the, the work in time management, you know, I, I sell a lot of books in time management, says that you can save 80% of the time uh, that it takes to complete a project if you just work on it nonstop. So a five-hour project that you would stop and start, stop and start, stop and start, you can actually get done in one hour right. if you just concentrate single-mindedly on that task. And here's, you, t- you said this a, a couple of minutes ago, and I want to emphasize it. We're talking about the spiritual and financial uh, improvement in your life when you focus. There is a psychological and emotional component to it. that when you develop the habit of focusing and completing single tasks, You feel very happy. The brain releases endorphins, which is called nature's happy drug. It motivates you and enthuses you. It raises your self-esteem and self-confidence. It propels you to do more tasks and to to do tasks of greater value. The payoffs of developing what one author called concentrated mind power, CMP. Mm -hmm. The payoff of concentrating and completing tasks is extraordinary. Jeffrey,
0: and it is the key to great success. Oh, I, I love that. I, last night, I got to tell you, I worked until about 945 outside. And I'm I'm kind of I'm stuck home, but I love being home in South Dakota. But uh, I can't go anywhere, so I'm getting all these other things done, which just gives me this great capacity to get lots done. And I was out actually working in my grove, you know, cutting trees, doing the things I, I wanted to do, knocking those things off my task. I walked in the house. I'm drenched, exhausted. It's dark. You know, it was finally dark, and I couldn't see any more trees or anything. I came into my wife and I said, "You know, if I die tomorrow, I'm happy." It just goes back—not you know, <laughs> that I want to die tomorrow. She says, "I hope that's not the case." But, but exactly what you said, I said I couldn't have been more happy. Just I'm crossing these simple little things off my list, but they're on my list, and I having that list is important too, isn't it, Brian? To have that, yes. th- all the things you want to get done.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I tell people I'm, a, I'm the best-selling time management author in the world in 42 languages. I've sold about 10 million books, more than anybody else whose names need not be mentioned, who are, who are popular in English and in, in Europe, but I'm popular everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I spent 30 years studying time management because I think it's so central to life. Here's what I concluded, which is so simple, and what you just said, is that the key to success in life is task completion.
2: That's it.
0: Yeah. Especially, if you're, especially, if you, especially if your wife gave you the task. Right? I mean, the
1: thing is, each time you complete a task, yeah. you get a feeling of happiness and joy, acceleration. You feel ecstatic. Now, so I say if task completion is the key to success and everybody is rewarded, everybody is uh, esteemed, everybody is regarded in life to the degree to which they have a reputation for task completion. There's no exceptions, unless of course you're in politics in which you have endless tasks and, and never any completion. But okay. in our in our practical world, in terms of getting results, earning ability, people judge us by our ability to complete tasks quickly and well. That's it. Complete okay. tasks quickly and well. And so therefore if that's the case and you have a list of tasks, which task do you do first? And the answer is you do the most important one, right. the one that has the greatest value, payoff, and everything else. So if you want to complete any task, you might as well complete something that's big and important. Yep. It may take you the same amount of time as a little task, but the psychological and emotional and endorphin payoff is vastly higher.
0: Yeah. I In fact, I've, I in my new book I've got coming out, Brian, to, to, talk, to tie into that, I actually do an inverted pyramid on a sheet of paper. And I put the biggest yes. things at the broad portion of it. That's the most important. I got the greatest weight all the way down to the littlest. That's how I try to do my task as well. I'm glad I'm doing it right. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm doing it right. Hey, let me, let me now, also, it, go ahead. Finish up, because this is so good.
1: With your, with, with your inverted pyramid, you, what you now do is you put another pyramid, a normal pyramid, on top of it. So now you have, and you divide the pyramid into four parts. And you find that the little tip of the pyramid, the new pyramid, is of the very few things that you do. It's considered about 3% of all the things you do to account for that huge amount of value. uh, So therefore, I, I, I use that two pyramid model. The first pyramid is for the number of things you do. The second pyramid is for the value of the things. And you find that small numbers of things have enormous value. And then the great mass of things at the base of the normal pyramid I'll have no value at
0: all, right. And they're just lots of little things you're just doing to either stay busy or thought that they were important and they're really not that important to the top goals. Yes, wow. hey, uh, Jim Cathcart, who we both know, um yes. great speaker, I love to listen to him. And he said, personal success and Brian Tracy are synonymous. Nobody I know can teach you more about how to achieve and succeed than Brian. So, which is awesome to hear. And there's so many people that give you accolades, Lee Iacocca, Mark Victor Hansen, just everybody that's in the industry and, and outside the industry. And, and you, you are a mentor to a number of people. I, I know that because I know those folks have, have mentioned you all the time. Who were your mentors as, as you kind of got into the business or, you know, in business in general that you looked to and said, these were real role models from, from me.
1: Well, I've I, I, I have been asked that question before, and it's hard for me to give a specific answer. Yeah. Let me tell you, um, your uh, book, Running the Gauntlet, was very valuable to me. You had some great you. ideas, and I, and I have it. So I would say, well, you have been a mentor to me indirectly. Uh, I've listened to Jim's stuff long before I was a well-known speaker. Uh, I'm a great fan of Peter Drucker's. I've read yep. almost everything he's ever written. Yeah, he's um But I... I consume almost like a Pac-Man in the old game. I consume information from hundreds of sources, really all the time. And every so often, I'll come up with one one-liner that will just be like a door slammed in my face. I'll go, wow, that's a great idea. So, so the answer is no, there is no one person. Right. Is I, I, I always use the word eclectic. I study eclectically, and I take information from many sources, like you do, and then synthesize it together, almost like a woven rope and synthesize it all together in a in a different message a a new message a new way of looking at
0: it how do you i find that you're you're someone that's i pick it up in the things that you say brian is a very spiritual person as well does that play a big role for you uh
1: most important of all i uh i call myself a non-denominational christian Mm -hmm. in that i read spirits i read spiritual material every single day and uh it's one of my greatest joys in life, is just to read and contemplate spiritually.
0: And you can, I pick up, I mean, I don't care if it's Buddhism, uh, Christianity, Judaism, or whatever, I pick up different things from different religions. But I also pick it up from those that don't practice necessary religion, but more, I don't know, I want to say it's Earth-based, I don't know what the right term is, but, you know, like Native Americans and others who, who do believe in a higher yes. being, it's just different, you know? I, I like to read that as well, don't you? Yes. I, I, I just, uh,
1: my philosophy is that the purpose of spiritual teachings is to be life-enhancing. Mm-hmm. It is to, to be positive, to be uplifting, it is to give people joy, it is to make people feel happy. And so any religion or any religious teachings that give people joy, I, I know one of the best-selling books right now is called The Magic of Tidying Up, Yep, and it's a phenomenal book, sold for millions of copies anyway she said what you do is take every item in your life and you put it in a heap and then you go through it one by one and say does this spark joy in me if it doesn't get rid of it and she shows you how to go through everything in your house your closets everything else by just saying does this spark joy does it make me happy well cool. good spiritual teachings spark joy
2: mm-hmm.
1: they actually cause you to feel happy when you read them They cause you to kind of beam and feel better about yourself and your world and also want you to be a nicer and a better person
0: uh, with others. Well, it declutters your life. I'm watching a lot of people who are getting into the empty nest uh, stage because I have a lot of friends that way. And they're moving to different houses and they're going through almost every single object, deciding whether they need it or not. I did that a number of years ago. My big rule was if I haven't used it in a year, I should get rid of it. You know, and yes. I made a lot of different things. And then, of course, I have a place in New York. And what I love about New York is I, I have six glasses, six plates, six knives, six forks, because that's what they come in. sets <laughs> so six. And I, 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 <laughs> found, I found out I don't need any more than that, you know, so which is a kind of a, a good deal. Hey, I want to talk about Liberty Tax. Uh, it's great to have the good folks from Liberty Tax on board at All Business. Liberty is the fastest growing retail tax preparation firm. With over four thousand offices in North America, and it's a great seasonal franchise opportunity too. So, if you're looking to get into business, add another service to your business, or just need great tax prep services, look to Liberty. You do your own taxes, Brian?
1: Well, my taxes are quite complicated, yeah. but I okay. will say this about I will say this about Liberty is people don't realize that a good tax service like Liberty is actually a free service. Yeah. And the reason is because they will save you more money yeah. in taxes because of their understanding of the intricacies of the tax act. Then you will pay them for your services, and sometimes you'll make a several hundred percent return on your investment in their services.
0: That's like one. That's what I'd call a no-brainer. You know, or just yeah, makes no-brainer. sense. It's a no-brainer. No-brainer. Hey, I want to ask you some rapid-fire questions. Here we go. You ready? You ready to buckle up? I think so. All right, what are your what are your top 3 favorite motivational books of all time? Um, I would say
1: uh Think and well Grow Rich. Yep. Um, yeah, the um uh, Magic of Thinking Big awesome. and probably that yeah, that great classic um
0: what was it called um was it Dale Carnegie? Norman Vincent, no, Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive power thinking. power of positive thinking. My office in New York City is right across the street from the church that Norman Vincent Peale preached at. In fact, look, when I found the office and I looked at the street address, which is on it's West 22nd Street, or 29th Street, but it's also Norman Vincent Peale Way, I said, done, I'm or, in it was just it was like fate you know I mean unbelievable you know do you think uh, I'm going to step away from rapid fire because now you got me thinking about something else there was an era of those and you just mentioned three of them and Brian I put you in this era I put uh, you know so many other really great speakers and thought leaders and I say thought leaders but icons do you think that era is over for us?
1: I think that the world has changed I don't think it's over I think people are motivated and inspired by different things. Mm-hmm. Many of the best teachers, many, many of the best teachers uh, died many years ago, and their and their books went out of print, uh, their estates lost them, and some of the great stuff that was written in the first part of this last century has been lost. And, yep. But there's beautiful, others uh, other stuff that like you're writing and other people are writing which are sort of bringing it forward. They're synthesizing some of the best ideas from the past and some of the most relevant ideas to the present.
0: I think we should do some kind of series. You and I to get together, and maybe get a couple other people and do some things called legends or something. Because I I, yeah. just, I, I we should think about that because it's a, it's almost I'm it, I'm afraid. I'm really afraid that's becoming a lost art and that we are actually seeing the end of, of an era of those of us who who did the teachings and did this and stepped up now we're delivering in different ways it doesn't mean we're not doing it but I'm, I'm really concerned about the art of selling the art of teaching the art of communicating the art of motivating is somewhat getting lost yes. in the digital age you know yes yeah.
1: well I, I, I one of the big issues today is equality and inequality and I pointed this out to an audience in Miami on Sunday, because they wanted me to talk about prosperity, and I said, you you must understand that each person ultimately determines their own income, that each person is responsible for their own income by the things that they do, upgrading their skills, the earning ability continually, and the things that they fail to do, which is not upgrading their skills, not working efficiently and well, not getting results. I said, so if you want an increase in your pay, if you're unhappy about inequality, go to the nearest mirror and negotiate with your boss. <laughs> I love it. So that, that, is, that is the person who, over time, determines how much you earn. And how do we know this? Because we've got hundreds of thousands and millions of people all over America and Canada, the free world, who started with nothing and worked their way up.
2: Yep.
1: And uh- so, therefore, if hundreds of thousands and millions of people can do it, so can you. It's not a great secret. Just become valuable. Will Heidendale used to say uh, a wonderful question. He said, Always ask yourself every morning, what can I do to increase the value of my service today? What can I do to increase the value of my service today? And that's been my guiding principle all my adult life.
0: Oh, it's awesome. My first book, I'm laughing because my first book was called The Mirror Test. And I said, I always told people, uh, the person uh, responsible for your success is staring back in the mirror every single day. Don't look for your accountant. Wow. Don't look for your banker. Don't look for your best friend to bail you out. The person that's going to take care of you is you, and you just said it. All right, back to, back to rapid fire. We got off because we, we you and I could okay. go on for days. Okay, one of your best-selling books was Eat the Frog. Did you right. ever eat the frog, and if so, how did it taste?
1: <laughs> well, you know that 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 is the best-selling time management book in the history of the world.
0: It is. Uh,
1: yeah, it still sells it sells millions of copies. Did you ever and, eat, did you really, eat?
0: Did you really? Did you really ever eat a frog? I know that was the analogy used, well, but
1: yeah, the the analogy is that if the first thing you do each morning is you eat a live frog, then you'll have the satisfaction of knowing that's probably the worst thing that's going to happen to you all day long. <laughs> and it goes back to it goes back to Mark Twain in the 1800s, basically your, 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 your frog is your biggest, ugliest, most important task. And the one that you are most likely to procrastinate on, but also the one that is going to most likely to improve the quality of your life. And so what I teach going back to task completion is that if you start and complete an important task, first thing in the morning, before you check your email or anything else, you will have a rush for the rest of the day. yeah, it's called it's called optimal performance. Sometimes they call it uh, uh, other things. basically, if you start and complete a task first thing in the morning, all day, you'll be in flow. That's what it is. You'll be in a state of flow. your Your mind will be going faster. The world will be going slower. And the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is that they regularly trigger themselves, like, putting on switches in an airplane cockpit, they regularly trigger themselves into flow by starting and completing an important task. Mm-hmm. And it's like starting an engine. Run! You start the engine and get yourself going full blast all day. You can just complete one task at the beginning of the day. And that's what the book teaches. And people say it literally takes them from rags to riches. It's, Man, it's so powerful. And awesome. it's so
0: simple. I love it. It's so And it's so simple. But usually the simplest things are the best things, you know? That's it yeah. I always yeah. find that you know just like food, drink, everything you know friendships just simple, easy, nice, just great things. hey um, what was the you, you actually learned and worked with Dr. Albert Schweitzer what was the biggest lesson that you ever learned from him?
1: He was a, a man of incredible vision and incredible compassion um, he had, it, it was so inspiring. People who met Dr. Schweitzer, I met lots of them, by the way, over the years. I met him once, maybe for a day, maybe for an hour, and walked away. We're never the same again. Uh, and I met people I, people who met Mother Teresa and met her just once. Um, sometimes one friend of mine had a 10-minute meeting with her when she was in the hospital here in San Diego. He got an audience with her. After 10 minutes, she came up and went back, changed his life completely. He's was never the same.
0: Is that a, chem- um, is that a he- chemistry thing, or is it just... The whole package that they
1: have—it's it something—it's something about the, the the depth of love and compassion that they have. It's like Peter, people touch the hand of Jesus in the Old Testament, and people who've been sick all their lives were suddenly cured. Mm-hmm. There's there's something there's something uh, that is in, impossible to explain um, in words. It, it just—it's an experience, and some of the great teachers, some of the great mystics have had this effect. They just touch a person, and a person who's been sick or blind or crippled can pick up his bed and walk. Yeah. So, spending time with Dr. Schweitzer, you're left with an impression of the greatness and the depth of the man that you never forget. You know, and I, 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 I speak to people. Yeah.
0: You know, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Well, I speak to people years later. I I say, uh, I met Dr. Schweitzer, and he said, "So did I. So did I." Did you have the same experience? And he said that experience changed their life. I mean,
0: it's supposed to make you think. well, I so, find so, I it, find Brian that there are people like that that you 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 see. It's almost as though they have an aura. They have this this Zen-like quality. They have something, and you see it now. It's, sometimes I see it in some people, but you don't fully see it manifested yet. Meaning they haven't fully used their internal you know, trigger to, to kick that in to that to get to that level. And I, I think it's in most, it, it, there's some innate ability in some, in everybody there is, to do something of greater good.
1: Yes, and that requires study and contemplation. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus was a carpenter and went out uh, and was gone for three years, and nobody knows for sure where. But he was doing studying and contemplation, and when he came back, he had undergone a transformation. And all the great mystics and teachers throughout history somehow do a retreat; they disappear, they go up onto a mountaintop, and they come back down, and they're different people. But this is another thing, Jeffrey. Without taking the time to think, to read, to study, yeah. to contemplate, to be by yourself, then if you without taking that time, you never develop that depth.
0: Yeah, you've got to have that. You've got to you've got to spend the time to you know leverage the you know god-given resources that you've been given i mean you just have to do that and the more you do yes. that the greater you're able to to go and do the things you want to do and the things you were meant to do cuz i think there's a lot of that destiny inside of each of us and some people just don't yes. don't look at it don't see it yet let me ask you another question health or wealth health or wealth
1: oh health is, health health is vastly more important
0: yeah Yeah, it is. Well, you you know, you've gone through some scares. I've gone through scares in my life, and it, man, when it's all said and done, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have good health, you're, you're, quite frankly, you're dead. You know.
1: Good health, good relationships, Jeffrey. Yep. Um, Well, that's a good, most important thing of
0: all. Yep, that's a good one to end on. Let me give you a chance to to promote anything you would like to promote. Kind of a shameless plug. I love to give people shameless plugs. Because you've been so good to me by just coming and spending this time with me, what would you what would you like to tell people about?
1: Well, I would say the, the one thing that changed my life was the was learning about the incredible potential that each person has, and they have the potential to be and have and do vastly more than they have ever accomplished. And the one thing I would like people to realize is that no matter what you've accomplished, you've just scratched the surface. My friend Dennis Wade, he said, you have more potential than you could use in 100 lifetimes. And so if I could leave just one thing for our listeners is never forget that. You have more potential than you could use in 100 lifetimes. And your job is to get it out. Your job is to really commit yourself to yourself, to becoming all that you're capable of becoming. So that would be my plug.
0: That's awesome. Well, and it was selfless. And I appreciate that because that just goes to the kind of person you are. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being with me. I sure appreciate it. I can't wait to be on stage with you again, my friend. Thank you, Jeffrey. Me too. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers.
1: You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world. Jeffrey Hazlett hosts all business brought to you by Fortunet.
0: At the end of every show, I like to talk about those things that I have learned. What did I learn from the interview? And it's the things I'm reminded of and service and gratitude. And those people who are doing a business, if you're operating a business, how can you better serve other people by doing that? You get more and more and more. And the second thing. And I, I kind of paraphrase it, but imagine on the inside those things that you want on the outside. That is to get focus, really clear focus on the things that you want. And also, as he said, write them down. Fuzzy does not work. Clarity. It gives you focus. It gives you goals. It gives you plans. It gives you projects. It gives you practices. And it gives you results. And that's what I learned here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett With Brian Tracy today, and don't forget to tell your friends, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.